you look marvelous. I think that was Billy Crystal that said that. You know, there are times in our lives of confusion, times of bewilderment, times when we experience pain, emotional, physical, mental. Uh, those times come and go. That's one of the things I like about the King James Bible. It has a little phrase repeated over and over from beginning to end, and it goes like this, and it came to pass. So as these times come into our lives, why'd they come? To pass. And we're going to let them. We're going to let these things pass. Uh, I was, when Greg asked me to speak, almost a month ago. He said, speak on anything you want to speak on. And I said, well, have you done Psalm 37 yet? And he said, no, I haven't. I said, well, I'll take that for one Sunday. Um, I didn't realize how fitting it would be for this Sunday. But as an intro, this is one of the most beloved psalms. It's written by David. And if you think of David's life from, from the time he was anointed to be king until his death, he, had, he experienced evil and wicked people all around him. I'm not saying anyone here is evil or wicked. I'm just saying that was his experience. And you have to wonder what was going through his mind as he penned the words to this song. It seems like he would be asking, where is your justice, Lord? Why are the wicked prospering? Why does it seem like I or we who are trusting in you seem to be forgotten? Now there is a statement that is echoed through the ages. Perhaps you may have said it yourself. I know I have. It goes like this. It's just not fair. Anybody ever said that? Nobody has kids? <laughs> Nobody was a kid? <laughs> I'm glad that King David wrote this song somebody that's way more spiritual than I am, he seems to have had these same thoughts. And that David went through times of turmoil and testing successfully, and he wrote down these words as an encouragement. So I'm going to read the first two verses. Fret not thyself because of evildoers, Neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as a green herb. Fret not. Now Webster defines fret as to be in a state of anxiety, vexation, or discontent, to become chafed or rubbed in our day, we might say, to be rubbed the wrong way. Now, you want to know how I know if I'm fretting? It's whenever some person, place, thing, or event 
consumes my mind. Day in, day out. I usually also am having conversations with people that aren't there. And I always win. David says, don't do this. Don't fret. Or be envious of the workers of iniquity. Now, when it looks like the wicked are going to take the day, so what? Their time is short. They'll soon wither up like cut grass or a picked flower. It can be so hard to let go when we're fretting. To turn a person, place, thing, or situation over to God's care. The mindset is, if I let go of this thing, these people are going to get away with this. And they're going to continue to hurt me or someone I love. Truth is, the more I hang on, the less happens to change the situation. I had a mentor named Aaron. And once when we were talking about things in my life that weren't going too well, he said, well, never defend yourself unless you're in the wrong. And I thought, that is the dumbest thing anyone has ever said to me especially considering the seriousness of my situation. Turns out it was very wise. Let me tell you why. When I'm defending myself, God doesn't have to. No matter how poor of a job I'm doing, he just lets me go. When I stop defending myself, that's where he steps in. But when I'm fretting, I'm exercising my rights, my will, my power, little as it is, over someone or something usually to no avail. Now whether in thought, word, or deed, when I'm fretting, I am in the ring. And I'm usually in the ring with someone way more powerful than me. And the results always seem to be the same. No matter how hard I struggle, nothing seems to change. So what's a body to do? Well, we're going to read on. It says, trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thy heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospers in his ways, because of the man who brings wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger. Forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil, for evildoers shall be cut off, but those that wait upon the Lord shall inherit the earth. Trust in the Lord. 
Now, this is where the rubber hits the road. Trust is an unreserved commitment. It's a no-matter-what-may-come commitment to believe that the Lord is all he said he is and that he will do all that he said he would do in spite of how things look. I know this is much easier said than done, especially when the stakes are high and the circumstances are real. But it says, trust and do good. Now, if you trust in his goodness, you're going to do goodness. You're going to imitate him. That's one of the things I liked about the What Would Jesus Do movement a few years back. It was imitating what Jesus would do. It says, delight yourself in the Lord. What an intimate concept. You know, I like, I even love many, many, many people. But my delight is in Donna. Above all the others. There are 7 billion, give or take, people on this earth. Every one of them is a grandchild. But my delight is in my grandchildren. So in this, there are many, many gods, small g, on this earth. They're not real gods. They just want that place in our lives. But there is only one God who chose me before the world was formed, before my parents ever met. He chose me, and he is the only one who laid down everything, even his own life, to say, I love you. There are many gods on this earth, but only one that is worth my delight. And his name is Jesus. This says if I delight in the Lord, he will give me the desires of my heart. Wow. Now, I used to think that meant that I'll get what I want. That's the depth of my shallowness. Never dive in a birdbath. Today I know that if I delight myself in you, he will put his desires in my heart, and I'll desire the things that please him and ultimately are for my best. Commit my way to him, trust him, and he shall bring it to pass. Rest in the Lord. That means I stop fighting. I'm not fighting anything. I'm not fighting anyone. I'm resting. Wait patiently for him. That means that I'm giving him control of not only the situation, but the timing of it. And then there's that fret not word again, no matter how it looks. It says to cease from anger. Forsake wrath. 
Ephesians 4 gives us permission to be angry, but it says, and sin not. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. And the second half of verse 8 says, fret not thyself in any wise, or new language, in any way to do evil. Why? Because evil is sin. Do I want God's help or don't I? He will not deliver me by sin because evildoers will be cut off. We'll never enjoy God's blessing, God's providence, and God's presence through sin. He doesn't work that way. Nor will he bless us if we use wicked devices to bring about good uh, ends. Evil doers will be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord. What does it mean to wait on the Lord? I think we just covered it. We don't fret. We trust him. We delight. We commit ourselves. We rest in the, his goodness, and we don't get angry or exercise wrath. Then we're waiting on the Lord. So, I know a man. I know. It seems at one time the entire world was puffed up against this guy. No matter which way he turned or how hard he struggled, the forces of this world only seemed to grow stronger. Now, many of his troubles were of his own making. Though this is often the case, still the powers of this world piled on so that it seemed that he would never survive his circumstances. Perhaps you know someone like this or even have experienced this yourself. Everything is falling apart. You might catch yourself saying, what else could possibly go wrong? Only a short time later to say, oh, that could. <laughs> As another shoe hit the floor, you wonder, man, how many shoes does this problem wear? <laughs> Real or perceived, the powers that be ganged up on the person and had, had their way. Not because they had to, but because they could. Spiteful. led the man to desperation. This man found this song. Our troubles have a way of getting us to pray, to search out God's word, to grasp at any straw that would promise hope or rescue. So this man found Psalm 37, and he read it hundreds of times. Every time he opened his Bible, he wound up at Psalm 37. Every question of why is addressed in this psalm. Not answered, but addressed. This is the plan of action. You're going to have to totally stop relying on your own power and start relying on totally on the Lord's goodness and power.
and will. You're not going to get anywhere by anger, nor by turning to your own devices, nor by any effort that employs evil. Fret not sounds so easy. We imagine that a little worry, a little anxiety, are an indication of how wise and deep of a person I am. It's much more an indication of how shallow we are. Fretting comes from a determination to have our own way. I've got a witness. (laughs) Fretting is the opposite of trust. Fretting is calculating without God. I wonder if God knows about these details. I mean, they're huge. I wonder if God calculated this happening at all. Of course he does. There is not one thing that enters into your life or mine that doesn't cross his desk first. And he is a wise God. The Lord wants us to learn to trust him. Not fretting is a good measure of our spiritual growth and maturity. It says, do good. Take the high road. Leave the outcome completely in God's hands without expectation. This isn't just a concept. It takes faith. Now, we usually measure our faith by our actions. I've heard that before. This time, we're, gonna, we're told to just stand and believe. That sometimes takes more effort <laughs> than doing. This is why we delight in him. He has covered us with his love and care. Psalm 91 says, He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You have a secret place? You need to. Some place that's just you and Him, where you can be alone, where you can be re-energized, where you can be fed and strengthened for the task ahead. What can harm you there? How can I delight in any other thing but the most high? Which brings us back to that commit word. Now, we Americans are really shy of this word, commit. If I were to say, okay, we're all going to commit to this thing, I'd expect a mass exodus. (laughs) That's just the way we are. It's the way we're geared. Commit means... I calculate with God at the center, not on the fringes, at the center of my path, the one who has all power. If you don't hear anything else I say this morning, I want you to hear these words. Our God is a living factor in our lives a living factor in our lives. He's the same yesterday, today, tomorrow, 
forever here, now, just the way things are, just the way I am, inside and out. Some think we have to put on our, sun, our uh, Sunday best to come near him. I don't think that brings anyone near him at all. He is not interested in phony religion. He is interested in you and what's going on in here and in here and in all of your life. That's why we can rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Resting in the Lord does not depend upon external circumstances. Resting in the Lord is an inside job. It's all about what's going on in here that I can rest. My relationship with the Almighty, that's what it depends on. So, what happens when we honestly apply these principles to our lives, to our situations? Verse 10 says, For yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be. Yea, thou shalt diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. In a little while, the wicked will not be. We can diligently look for them, search out where they were, those that had such a powerful grip, and they're nowhere to be found. Now, I don't know how long a little while is, but I know people. <laughs> if the Lord had said here in this scripture, a week, every one of us would probably suck it up and make it through a week. It doesn't work that way. It's his time. When he says it's time, that's when the change comes. That's when wicked loses its grip. Now the rest of this psalm goes on to declare what will become of the wicked and what will become of the just, the righteous. Those who put their trust in him. Now I'm just going to read a portion of it. It says, But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. The wicked plots against the just and gnashes upon him with his teeth. The Lord shall laugh at him, for he sees that his day is coming. The wicked have drawn out the sword and bent their bow to cast down the poor and needy and to slay such as be of upright conversation. Their sword shall enter into their own heart, and their bows shall be broken. A little that a righteous man has is better than the riches of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. The Lord knows the days of the upright, and their inheritance shall be forever. They shall not be ashamed in the evil times, and in the days of famine they shall be satisfied. But the wicked shall perish, and the enemies of the Lord shall be as the fat of lambs. They shall consume into smoke, they'll consume away. The wicked borrows and pays not again, but the righteous shows mercy and gives. For such as be blessed of him shall inherit the earth, and they that be cursed of him 
shall be cut off. Wow. I know what side I want to be on. I know what team I want to be on. The Lord is a zillion and oh. He's got a better record than the Patriots do. I wanted to see if there are any football fans in here. <laughs> I want to spend a little time on verses 23 through 25. It says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Now, are those steps ordered as we enter into tribulation or during the tribulation? Yes. The answer is yes. Our Lord has our development in mind. He knows what the finished person is supposed to look like. On the inside as well as the outside also says, and he delights in his way. Does that mean that God delights in my way? Or I delight in God's way? Again, the answer is yes. Either way, it's a thing of beauty. Going through these times are not that much fun. People don't sign up for tribulation. But afterwards, after you've gone through the test and the trial, when you look back and you see the Lord's hand on you and you know that He was there and you know that He had your back the whole time, it's a thing of beauty. I love it. It's a delight. Then it goes on to say, Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. There's that trust again. We cannot be destroyed. We cannot be rubbed out of the game by our circumstances. It's not going to happen. Why? For the Lord upholds him with his hand. Remember when I said that we would grasp at any flimsy reed that might offer some hope or rescue? We don't have to grasp for anything. This says that he has a hold of my hand. Which brings us to verse 25. Now I recite this verse to someone or even myself at least once a week. It goes like this. I have been young. And now I am old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. This is my story. I can put my entire life's experience under this verse, and the promise of this verse has been faithfully and physically Accurate and true. I have been young, and now I am old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Each one of us here today has a story unique to us. 
And yet all of our stories have this in common. Circumstances beyond our control bore down on us in ways that seemed that they would crush us beyond repair. Hope vanished. And it seemed that the wicked would take the day. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken. Somehow, some way, outside of my scope of vision or understanding, the Lord, the Almighty, the one I've learned to believe is my hope. Saw me through. And you too. I believe, looking back, this has been every one of our experiences. And then it finishes up, nor his seed begging bread. It's not just for my benefit that I go through these seasons in my life, or you either. It has an influence, a, a positive blessing for every life that touches yours, great and small. Every life that touches mine shares in the blessings of God. Remember the man I told you about earlier, the one whose world was collapsing all around him on his head? I'm that man. I am that man. He's probably been you too. You know, the details aren't important of what went on then or every time since. Just know that they were real and powerful and at the time they seemed invincible. Truth is, I still go through these periods off and on in my life. And I'll bet you do too. Periods of turmoil. Many times, many times, since the first time I read this powerful psalm. Psalm 37. Might want to write that down. It still brings me comfort and hope. You know, I'm in no way a perfect or a just man. As a matter of fact, I cringe inside a little bit when somebody says I'm righteous. But if God the Father calls me righteous by the blood of His Son, that's okay with me. I'll take it. A great example of His righteousness in me is that I have never been forsaken and neither have you nor has anyone who calls him Lord and patiently waits on him I hope that you can glean from this psalm all the tools and attitude that you need to see you through and this church needs at this time to see us through this time We're going to take this hill. You know why? Because we're going to abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He's going to do for us and through us what we could never do on our own. That's what kind of God He is. Let's pray. Father, I know there's a lot of confusion, there's a lot of emotion. 
there's a lot of fretting going on in the minds and hearts of everyone under the sound of my voice. Whether we'll admit it or not, Lord, we are lost without you. So we ask you to come in a powerful way. We ask you to come and give us good use of these tools to trust you, to commit to you, to delight in you, to rest in you. Help us, Lord, and this church, and this community to become the people that you will say, well done, good and faithful. In the name of Jesus, amen.